Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and this week's podcast has only been about two years in the making, at least. Um, Brent Burns is has got to be one of my favorite players to interview um, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because our conversations tend to steer completely outside the world of hockey. And I think for a guy who, you know, hockey players have to talk about the game and, and what happened last night on that play and all that, and, and, you know, that can, I'm sure, get old. And so I think we both enjoy when the the conversations go completely sideways. And they always tend to do because... Thankfully, a lot of times I don't have to write about what happened uh, in the last game and on the last play. Um, so they make for fun conversations. And I can tell you, like, truthfully, when I bought, for instance, when I bought a RV we were with my family a few years ago, the first person I texted, I think besides my parents, was Brent to let him know in a picture of my kids on doing it because I knew it was something he was into. He'd actually, at the uh, the wards in Vegas, had given me a tour of his, parked uh, in the um, Encore parking lot, plugged into the sign, basically. Um, and it's just, we've always had a lot of fun conversations around a lot of different things. Um, and so we had the opportunity, because the season is on pause, where Brent was back in, in Texas at his ranch with his family, ha- actually had this the time to sit down and have an extended conversation in we were able to pull this off, this podcast that I'd been wanting to do for a long time. And finally, uh, for cir- circumstances we obviously would rather not exist, uh, had the time to, to do it. And so I'm really excited to share this one with you because it was a lot of fun. It was done uh, late in the evening after he had gone on a hunt for wild boar or something. And we get to that right off the hop. And the conversation goes from there. So I'm excited to share it with you. So let's dive right into it. The full 60 with San Jose Sharks defenseman Brent Burns. All right. So, Brent, let's start here. I want to know all about the hunt. What did you get? What, 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 Actually, what uh, for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been hunting hunting hogs in, uh, I mean, not just in Texas, all over. There's uh, a lot of wild hogs around and it's, it's great meat. I mean, it's... Uh, free range they breed like crazy they do they do a lot of damage to the fence line so it causes a lot of work for for our ranch manager and and for us now that we're here so we're going around fixing fences and uh digs and stuff and and it's great meat so it's uh it's a win-win are they um are they crafty animals are they a tough hunt i don't know they're they're super smart like i do yeah they're super smart super tough um it's a crazy animal. I mean, they get to, they can be huge too. I mean, they're super strong, super tough. Yeah. Um, they, they have a really fast breeding cycle. So, I mean, it's kind of even like, you know, in California, they'll have issues with them on golf courses because overnight they could destroy a quarter of a golf course easily. Really? Yeah. They root. So they're, they're, they're rooting with, uh, with their mouth and, and with their, like they have, uh, Tusk is the wrong word, but uh, right now I can't think of what what the big teeth are. Is. 
Yeah. I think that is test the right word. It could be. I could be. It might be. It might. I, uh, but for some reason, I think I'm wrong, and I'm going to get jumped on from people. But uh, <laughs> they have these. They have like big teeth, and they they root in the ground looking for grubs yeah. and stuff. So overnight, you'll see massive amounts of damage. So you know, on golf courses, they got to look out for them and and watch for them. I, I mean, you imagine Pebble Beach or uh, some of these beautiful courses here just get destroyed overnight. You know. So it's wow. the same thing with our, with ranch property too. You know, we have, we have a lot of animals that graze on the grass and stuff. And, and if, if you get a, bi- a big hog problem, um, you know, they'll destroy that grass and it'll destroy acres and acres overnight. Hmm. All right. So it's, and, you're, it's and double duty. Like you're getting shop. food and, and so do you like make, not, this is my, is it bacon and stuff and ham like a regular pig? No, see, it's a, it is actually different. It's a good question. It, it is a little different. You can't really get the bacon and uh so so they are a little different just because they're not as fatty they're they're much leaner um and and you don't really want to eat you know some of the big ones will be 350 300 400 pounds they can be real real big that's a little bit it's too big you know those are just old survivors that are they're pretty tough but like the perfect (laughs) pig to eat would be like 150 pounds to 100 pounds that's still really me, big. How big are oh, like farm oh, pigs? Are they that yeah, big? Yeah, they're. Uh, I actually don't even know. I mean, yeah, when I get them in, either. when I get them in little bacon packages, they're a lot smaller. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, for like so for like my the wild hogs that we get here, um, I, I butcher them all myself. So I would do I would quarter them. I would take like the back straps out and do, um, you know, you get your chops and stuff, your tenderloins, and then I quarter them out. Um, so you do pulled pork, you know, you, you mm-hmm. ever done pulled pork on the barbecue? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so you have the hams and the shoulders and, and I usually smoke those together and then mix them up. So it's like unbelievable. And then, uh, then you get the ribs and you, you cut those up into to, to the rib oh. sections. So mm-hmm. you, you get a ton of meat and then the rest of it, um, we would grind up into hamburger and then we can mix it with some of the other animals that we would hunt that are really, really lean and with all the excess meat. So there's no, there's no wasted meat. I mean, I, we go all the way up right to everything. So any extra Mm. meat that you don't take out in the, in the, in the quarters or the backstrap or tenderloins, you're keeping for the hamburger to mix with other meat. That's super, super lean in the other animals. Right. You know, so like when you go to the grocery store and you get uh, beef hamburger, uh, like beef, uh, ground up beef. Yeah. It's usually like a 90, 10 mix or 82 to 18 mix, whatever the mix is. Well, it's, it's talking or like yeah, it's, cow it's versus talking, something else or. Well, yeah, it's usually it's, it's the mixture of, uh, the beef to the pork fat or beef tallow or beef fat. Oh. You know, they're putting something else in there to, to give it a little bit of the grease to, to bind together. Like a lot of the venison that we eat throughout the year, we don't mix with anything. So it's super lean. So you have to, you, you have to put eggs in it for it to even bind because it, mm. it'll just burn. It won't even stick together. That's crazy. So, and yeah, I so didn't know usually, yeah, that usually the mix, the mix is uh, like a 10% fat that they put in with the, the beef or whatever the, I mean, it's been so long since I, I went to the grocery store to get like a hamburger from ground up beef, but you know, even for when we're doing it, we would do as, if, if we add stuff, 
we would e- either add like a beef tallow or uh, usually it's hog extra hog meat to give it some some fat and some uh, so it's able to bind together and, and cook. So what's what's in your freezer right now? Like what animal? Like what? what? Uh, well, we eat, we eat a lot of axis meat, uh, which is a, a deer from India. Okay. Um, and like way back in the day, um, I don't know if it was like the royalty from India or I don't know how it worked out, but they, they had gifted, um, the, the King of Hawaii or something. They gifted something, somebody in Hawaii, the deer. So there's a lot of deer, a lot of axis deer in Hawaii. Okay. So it's really big to hunt there. Um, and then it's, it's rampant in Texas. They're all over there. Now they're wild. You'll see them like we'll drive to the grocery store and you'll see them. There's wild herds all over the place. And it's arguably some of the best meat out there. They're naturally very difficult to hunt because they mm-hmm. come from in- India where they're the predator that would hunt them is a tiger. Oh, so they're right. very, very aware. They're super fast um, really, really beautiful animal. They're re- a really cool, cool animal to watch. Uh, they kind of look like a baby deer. They have the spots on them. Like the, the adults are spotted, uh, yeah. with like a beautiful black stripe down their spine, like really cool antlers. They're just a really, really cool animal to watch. They're super smart, super aware of everything. Um, so, so we eat, we eat axis deer. There's, there's tons of them, uh, around in Texas. Uh, mm. Neil guy is also that nickname for those would be like the blue cow. Uh, they come from India as well. They're the same thing. They're, I mean, these things are impossible to find. Um, so we eat, we eat Neil guy and then elk. I love elk meat. So, um, for me, that's the best meat in the world. For me, I've never had moose and a lot of people will say moose is really, really good meat. I, I haven't had it. So what's elk is elk. What would be comparable? I've never had elk. Like elk is, um, yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's all going to look like steak. Um, if I showed you an axis or axis is like a little more purple than beef would be. Beef is kind of, it's got that reddish tint to it. Reddish Brown. Yeah. Uh, elk is pretty similar to that. It's, it's much leaner, super good meat. I mean, it's not like, uh, why, like people will say like gamey or wild has none of that. It's like super yeah. beefy flavor. I, I, like for me, it's kind of like earthy and irony um, flavor. It's very similar to beef, which is, I, yeah. I, I love beef. I just right. try not to eat as much of it now. I still, it's still like one of my favorites, but um, I, so I would compare elk more to beef. Uh, the Neil guy is kind of a more pinkish, very light flavor, like zero gamey at all. Uh, not even irony or bloody like a beef would be. Mm-hmm. And uh, Axis is kind of in between. I, I love Axis meat. Um, a lot of is people, it like venison? I imagine it's got to be like venison, right? No, that's what I mean. It's not no. like, even for me, like white-tailed deer is like, it has a little bit of that wild flavor, that little bit of yeah. gaminess. Um, if you cook it certain ways that you can get rid of it. Um but even like with the, the Neil guy or Axis or elk, you don't, you could just eat it straight, like without mm. seasoning. And it's super, super flavorful. Like deer, I, I wouldn't really want to do it. A lot of people do and they love it. 
I like venison. Um, my dad, like my dad, was a hunter, so he's I. I grew up on that, so I I always like venison. Yeah, like Michigan is like white tail yeah, country. Yeah, big. I mean, like we're yeah. like they'll be they'll walk down my street. It's crazy now, especially. There's yeah, and they're out. big there. Yeah, like here in Texas, they're a lot smaller. Right, right. Um, yeah, you. you oh, yeah, we like, should probably like back up. So, so people that don't know, you you've got over oh, uh, four hundred what twenty acres of uh, ranch yep, in yeah, Texas. Have, yep. Yeah, we have a. Uh, Ranch here in Texas. Uh, this is our fourth summer here. Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always, uh, like growing up. I my grandfather lived with me, and uh, he was in uh, World War II with the Canadian military. So he was always mm-hmm. kind of telling me military stories, and I was always, I, I always loved like the military history and weapons. And so I was always really into that. And I was, I was ever since like an early age, I was kind of fascinated by like snipers and like long range shooting and like the math behind shooting. And uh, so I've always loved like the outdoors shooting animals. I've always been a big wildlife guy. And uh, my wife is from Texas. So I would always come down here and visit and and, and see her family. And, um, you know, you start seeing like some of these ranches when you're driving around Texas, like it's crazy in Texas. Like it's nothing for these, for them to drive like three, four hours. So when you're driving, you're like, right. and, and Texas is so big, it, it, like you're driving around and you see these like amazing ranches and stuff and you'll see like these crazy animals and you're like, what is happening here? Like, this is like Africa. Right. And, uh, so it, it just kind of morphed into it. All my dreams kind of came into one place. You know, I, I get yeah. to be outdoors. I really learned a lot about, um, the hunting part and protecting your herds and, and really dialing those in so that they're healthy and, and, and doing well, because, you know, you, you have to, like the males will fight. There's a lot of natural death that happens. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're trying to pick them out, um, so that there isn't the fighting, you know, so that they're just happy, they're breeding, they're doing well. And, you know, I mean, I know people that aren't, that don't like the hunting aspect and, and they would never agree with any of that. But we like, I watch it all the time. I watch it uh, like here, like say black buck antelope, we have around 80 to a hundred of them. And okay. One male will run 30 to 40 females and really? the other, other young males. All they do is they stay in a little bachelor herd and all they do all day long is fight and train until they can fight that big guy and run him off. So one of them will either, <laughs> one of them's going to get injured and, and, and quit and right. then live alone or one of them will die. So it's not like they, they don't, it's, it's just interesting right. to watch how these herds work. So, you know, like we, we watch them and if, and when they do fight, they, sometimes their horns will break. So like for us, I, I, we don't want to hunt them. Why, you know, Mm -hmm. we just want, we want them to breed and and do well. And, but if one of them breaks a horn, then they, they can't really fight fair anymore. So you have to get rid of that male or he'll kill all the other males fast because they can't tie his horn up. So he'll be able to like circumvent the other two or get the other guy's horn. So, you know, little things that we've learned from watching them and, um, from people that are much more knowledgeable than we are. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the, the, the ranch has been awesome. It's been really good for us and, all different aspects of our life outdoors 
the hunting lifestyle, getting our own, our, our meat, learning about how to do it. You know, for me, traveling around and being on the road and, and going to restaurants, you, you, you go to these nice steakhouses and you get, you know, filet, a ribeye, a New York strip. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all I knew. I didn't know anything else, right. you know, and then from this lifestyle, I, I, I butcher the animals myself. You learn different ways to cook. Um, it forces you to learn, uh, like different techniques in cooking and, and different meals all the time and different steaks. And it's just been awesome. It's a lot of family time. It's just been really good for our family. It doesn't work for everybody. Some right. people don't agree with it and, you know, but for us, it's been awesome. Um, all right. We, I've got a lot of questions here. When did you learn to butcher an animal? Uh, it was actually the year. So I, I'd wanted to do it. My dad was a butcher growing up. Uh, oh, he was so like both, a butcher, butcher, yeah, but, like, yeah, he, he worked in a meat market before I was born oh, and, and was okay. a butcher at the grocery store at a, like an old, you know how like they used to have like the, the actual butcher stores. Yeah. So he was a butcher and, and would do like the beef and the uh, pork and stuff. Um, and then when I came, when I was born, he was, he worked at a, like a, a metal manufacturing facility in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I'd always, I had seen some of his old butcher stuff. Like he still had his knives and his like, I don't know what you call it, like a butcher belt kind of thing that would like protect them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he was always really skilled with that. He knew how to do it all. I had no idea. And I never hunted. He never hunted growing up. So it was like, we were not a hunting lifestyle. We're in a hunting family. I never hunted deer growing up, but I'd always really loved that. Um, like kind of going back to that military stories from my grandfather. And so for me, I always wanted to either play in the NHL or I always was fascinated by like, I didn't really know much about Navy SEALs, but like back then when there was like not that much knowledge about them, I'd always heard about Green Berets. So I always loved like the Green Berets. Like I always thought of them as like MacGyvers. They could just take like a a Bic pen and like do anything. Right. So I always loved that they could, they could survive and do everything. And so I was always kind of into that. And, uh, so curiosity. And then when we lost in the Stanley cup finals, that was my first hunt. And I, I went and hunted, a a Buffalo or a bison, depending on, uh, again, I don't, I'm probably gonna yell that because I'll pick the wrong one, a Buffalo, Buffalo. or a bison. Buffalo is American, right? Who calls it the bison? I don't do, know. Do you, like, I think one's extinct now and, and oh, oh, right, right. they're both pretty similar, but I'm going to screw that up. So okay, that's, whichever no, one it I don't, is, nobody's going to hold you on that one. You're okay on that one. Yeah, so I I, 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 I always loved. I, th- I think it's bison. I, I love bison meat. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, no, that's like, supposed to be really good for you, by the way. The, the it, it's well, super lean. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. So I always loved that meat, but it's pretty hard to find. So I found yeah. a place where I could I could go on a hunt, and and they would show me kind of how to do everything. Mm-hmm. So we're able to harvest one. I kind of watched him how he did it, how we you know gory details like how we gutted it and skinned it and right did like the butchering stuff and then you send it off and you get like this the uh burger and the sausages and stuff and i'm still eating it like it's that big it's crazy (laughs) so we still have uh the like the bison ground up burgers and sausages where was that in like montana or something like where was the actual no we did it in texas i did it in texas Oh, in texas okay i guess you can do everything in texas all right yeah yeah it was pretty yeah so we we did that and uh so that was when i first learned 
a little bit, but I mean, I'm still learning. So I'm like very beginner still, like I'm not, yeah. it's not very pretty when I do it. I'm still learning. And, um, you know, it takes a long time to, to learn how to do it, but we're, we're I'm, you know, I usually have our ranch manager. He, uh, he shows me how to do it and, or he'll watch me do it a little bit. And, um, you know, he'll leave and, and I'll do a little bit and he'll come back and check on me, make sure I haven't done anything too crazy. And, um, <laughs> so it's, it's been good. It's been great. I've been learning a lot and, um, pretty comfortable now that I, I can do it all myself. Um, yeah. but like when you see somebody that's really good at it, it's just fast. It's super clean. It's, right. I mean, they're incredible at it. Um, I want a, a couple more questions about the ranch and then I wanted to get I, I'm fascinated by your, your, the kind of the military side of things, but the, what was the process like when you're trying to find an area that large, or maybe it's not that big in Texas, 400 acres. It seems like a lot to me. Like, what was that process like? Or did Susan know enough about the area where she was like, this is where I want to go? Well, we, we knew the area. So we always loved, um, from driving through it, like the hill country is really, really, it, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So we always, we knew we wanted to be around that area, but it's, I mean, it's so big and there's so, so many different places. It took us like two years of looking. I was looking all the time on the road. Like we get a lot of time right. on the road to, to surf around and, uh, look at different places. And yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's not definitely not, not that large compared to some of the places here. And, um, but like ours is really, really, uh, covered. It's a lot of, uh, valleys and stuff. So, yeah. Um, it, it would definitely hunt a lot more than 420. It, it hunts almost double because of the hills. So it's very, it's not flat. Uh, there's no flat parts on our place. Right, it's always right. up or down and, um, very, very covered with vegetation and trees and, and, uh, persimmons and different bushes and stuff, which is good for the animals to be able to hide, to hide their babies, to eat. You know, you have different, you have grazers and you have, uh, um, so you have like ones that eat the grass and then you have yeah. animals that eat the uh, bushes and trees and then you have ones that eat both. So you want to have that little mixture. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's really good for them. Sometimes it's not good for us. We stress out because we don't see animals for, you know, a couple of weeks and we, we panic about it, but yeah, you know, that's good. That's a good part of it too. But it's fenced in though. So they, so they're your animals or is it like, they yeah. So that's like another touchy thing with, you know, oh, then you okay, get into like know. the, I'm not trying no, to get it, into it trouble, is, I, honestly. Yeah. No, no, it's no, it's fine. I mean, I, I don't care about it for me because, <laughs> right. you know, for me uh, during the hockey season, I miss all, most of the hunting, like for elk, I wouldn't be able to hunt elk, um, mm. in Montana or something because the season is during our season. Yeah. Um, and then California's, it, you'd have to go far to go for blacktail uh, deer or uh, the elk that's available there. Um, like sheep. I mean, that's, it's impossible, you know? So in Texas, so you have like, you know, the pure hunters are like the, the fair chase, you know, kind of thing. There's like so many different arguments about it. Um, which, you know, so and you'll hear about like in Texas, like the canned hunts kind of thing. Right. you know, high fence, the animals can't, they're, they're already there. You, they can't leave. And, uh, which is true. I mean, but you know, I always say like, if, if somebody wants to come hunt an axis at our place, come hunt an axis. Good luck. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's like good luck to find them, let alone hunt them right. because they're so aware, they're so aware of everything. Then they have so such good coverage here. Now you, you can go to some other places and you know, maybe it's a, two or 400 acres, but there's not a lot of trees. 
and then it is like you know there's nowhere for the animal to go so it's it is like a right. touchy thing but yeah so for our place it is high fenced and mm-hmm. we we breed a lot of the animals and we sell sell babies to other ranches and um you know so it's it's like that's a big lesson for for our kids too you know when i'm teaching them about the hunting lifestyle it's not you just don't go out and hunt like say, say we're hunting an axis i'm not just going out to hunt any axis out there you 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 have to pick the the right animal that's going to benefit the rest of the herd so you want to you want to pick an old animal that has has already bred past his genetic song and he he's getting older so he's still strong enough to fight the young axis bucks off but maybe he's getting you know his time is there he's already he's already spread his genetics for two seasons or three seasons so you don't you don't want him to go for another season you want the next generation to come and and so your herd is healthier so it is like there's i mean for a long time i would never hunt by myself because i would want to make sure i'm getting the right animal Hmm. so there's a lot to learn and you know, now I'm trying to pass that down to my son and daughter and, and teach them that the, you know, the right animals to hunt and, um, you know, the respect aspect of it, which some people never agree with, you know, you're hunting and you're killing an animal to eat. Um, you know, how can you, how can you love or respect that animal? But, um, you know, for me, I've always loved animals since I was a kid. I've loved going to the zoos. I've, I've loved learning about animals and, you know, having this, it's just you like hunting is like 2% of it. You know, you're outside right, right. watching the animals so much. You spend so much time with them. You're learning how they make sounds and how to call them and see their patterns. You're seeing them eat. I mean, we go out, you know, we will, we'll only harvest maybe four or five animals a year, but we still will go out and hunt almost every night or every morning. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it, I, I mean, I, when I say I go hunting, I'm not really hunting. I'm just out enjoying out, I'm um, enjoying nature and, and watching and spending time with the kids and, um, you know, having family time. It's great. Bring a yeah. couple cold beers up there and, and relax. That's great. And I, I did like, now I, I do want to give you an opportunity to, to promote this, but you're doing the all in challenge and that was, that's the thing you're donating, right? Like a day at the ranch for, yeah, we, well, I always know, get man, like, I love that. I get some, I get some great messages on Instagram and Twitter about, um, you know, obviously I love barbecuing and yeah, cooking and, and, uh, you know, I share a lot of pictures of different animals and, um, I have my gym here and, you know, working out and you never know what you're going to come across, what's going to come right to and eat, start eating grass right outside the gym windows. And, uh, so I always get people saying like, Oh, I'd love to come out there. And so when they all in challenge, when, when I was approached about it, you know, they said like, you know, they said you could do like a hockey package or you could do like, but we'd really love to do some at the ranch. I said, oh, I'd be, it'd be really cool. So yeah, it'd be, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be a fun time. I, I did something similar with, uh, the sharks foundation and, yeah. uh, we had a blast out here. And so, yeah, hopefully it goes, hopefully they have a, have a great time when it's all, all done. It's going to a great cause. And, um, yeah, we'll have some, like I said in the video, I get, uh, I get my buddies at black rifle coffee. I'm going to make sure there's some freshly brewed great black rifle coffee and then some good barbecue <laughs> through the day we'll eat some uh some great meat and uh and have some nice texas wines and, and enjoy the day 
That's awesome. Uh, and so when I looked, it was at thirteen thousand. I don't like. I don't, that seemed really good to me for something. Oh, that's that cool. You just, yeah. That's no, I great. haven't. Uh, yeah, we've been. I mean, the last couple of days we've been crazy here. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw some of the, the packages were unbelievable. Like I saw like uh, Tom Brady's was at like eight hundred thousand. I mean, it was unreal. Well, what was uh, he offering up? My goodness. He was doing like his uh, his shoes and his jersey from his first game and like dinner before or a training day after or something. Pretty mm. awesome. I mean, like there yeah, were some pretty amazing, really cool packages. Like the NHL did it. Like the the individual leagues did it. Dana White threw an unbelievable UFC package out. Um, yeah. It's a pretty, pretty cool thing that I think it's, you so know, cool. yeah. yeah, everybody like any different, different worlds coming together and, and, and donating different things and just really cool experiences. Um, okay. Now I want to get into your, your, the, your grandfather in the military stuff. Was he, was he a guy that was, like that was willing to talk about World War II or was it like, you yeah, it was like not really like, uh, so I was pretty young and he passed okay. away in 98 and I was, so I was 13. So it would be, and he lived with, uh, lived with us growing up. So it, I mean, I wish I would have known a little bit more and would have maybe pushed the subject a little bit more just to kind of get a little bit more out of it. But, you know, for me, so my dad was like really into the military and history and, and kind of that kind of world too. So he had like a lot of books. Um, he, he did have his like old uniforms and like a couple duffel bags from, mm. uh, like, uh, basic training and, and, and from fighting overseas. So there was like stuff around, right. which really lasted for me. It was like, I used to love going into the basement and the attic and, and looking for that stuff and reading <laughs> awesome. some of the, like the, you know, the true books. And then some of the, like just the stories, you know, like yeah. Stephen Hunter books and different military books like the complete idiot's guide to world war ii i like was my favorite book growing up and uh <laughs> so i was just always kind of fascinated by that like that generation and, and what they went through and uh the military and so like from a pretty early age that's kind of like i knew i wanted to either play hockey or go into that that world yeah and it, and he but he w- was never really like detailed stories you know it'd be like little funny things here and there like little different things but even when I was, I mean, I was still pretty young, so I don't even know if they were like how serious those stories were for me. It was Mm -hmm. more of like, you know how it was. It was like, everything was kind of like he walked uphill both ways in the snow barefoot. (laughs) He had to walk 10 kilometers to get water and kind of like, you know, always teaching me lessons to, to work harder and not be a wimp and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it was like that generation was like, full of Superman and, and Batman. And it, it, they were just unbelievable. How much do you think that influenced you? I mean, you are like, Oh, tremendous. I mean, worker, that was right? like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, yeah. Getting to live with him for that time. And, um, you know, just hearing stories like he, he was, he could build anything too. You know, he would just, he was tough. He grew up in a tough part of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he, he was a boxer. He had tons of brothers that were like, they were all tough and crazy. And so just hearing those stories, it was like, you know, I, I remember my dad would always just say like, bring you shoe fucks today. And I'm like, uh, I had schoolwork and no, I didn't. He's like, Oh, well, what are you doing right now? I'm like, oh, I'm just watching TV. He's like, Oh, so you, you have time to shoot pucks. So it was like right. always kind of pushing me like, Hey, right. you, even if you think you're busy, you can, 
you can't make time to do the stuff that's important. You know, like, or if I went up the stairs, like he used to always yell at me because we had like a, the stairs were like, uh, uh, you go straight up and then you have like a 90 degree turn and you go back up the other way. You know, it was like, uh, it was like, a there was like a little landing. Yeah. 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 So then at the top of the stairs, yeah. Yeah. At the top of this, the middle part was the, the very top floor was like a little lip. Mm -hmm. So we'd always say like, Oh, you went up the stairs there. Did you do uh, any chin ups? And I'm like, no, I was going to get like my PJs on. And he's, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you could have done, you could have done 10 chin ups. I'm like, yeah, I probably could have, but no, I didn't. So I was like, you know, so those little things stick with me. And then like, he would always say, you know, Hey, why you're going up the stairs? Like, why don't you just go two at a time? So it's like those little things. It's like, and and you think he's crazy and like why he, why is he on me all the time and then it's like right. now I'm doing it to my son I'm like hey you, did you do push-ups today you know <laughs> you're doing the same thing and and it is it's like you know when you get asked from other parents or you know a couple times you like you'll talk to kids and they'll say like oh you know I really want to play in the NHL like it, it's like you really just have to love it and love the work and love the hard stuff and right. then get really really lucky. You know, like there were so many kids that were way better than me growing up that, you know, for whatever case, it's just like, I got lucky. You know, there's, there yeah. is that luck aspect to it. I mean, I'm not, not for like, probably like a Connor, like he, or Sid, or like these guys are like, those guys were un, unreal for such a young age and, and were earmarked for it. But for me, like, I never really thought of it until I was 17 that I even had a chance, you know, and then like oh, certain no things kidding. started that fall into place you know there was like a yeah. lot of luck but i always loved shooting working and you know i always think like you know you kind of have to force those things and then you have to get really lucky in other cases too so it's uh yeah i always just say like you have to just love it you have to love the the crappy parts about it you have to love like everybody loves shooting pucks when it's fun but you have to like when it starts to hurt or when you don't really want to do it those are the important times to do it you know? Yeah. And that's still, and I still take that lesson today, you know, and like I'm 35, I've played in the league a little bit now, but it's like, it's on that Saturday or, or even on a Tuesday when I, I, maybe the kids, I I got homeschooling now and I'm like, yeah, let's, I can take today off. And I'm like, no, there's, you know, seven kids getting drafted this year. There was eight (laughs) drafted last year, nine drafted last year. They're going to hunt me down. So those right. are the days you got to work. So it's always like, and the kids now are just so much better too. It's like, they're, they're incredible at such an early age that you got to keep working. So I think those lessons well, from that really did help me and, and stuck with me. Yeah. What, what would you consider your like lucky break that, you know, you said it, there was, there was an element, of, I guess there always is on some level. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably don't even know what the lucky break would be. I, right, I mean, there's probably a right. hundred of them. You know, I remember being <laughs> in my Bantam year. So like when I was a kid playing, I was one of the better kids. And then mm-hmm. like around peewee, I, I was a really late developer. So I was really small and, you know, everybody started to get bigger. So I kind of started dropping down. And then when my grandfather passed away, I stopped playing in Toronto and I went back to Barrie and just had a mm-hmm. really bad year. It was just like a tough year of hockey and life. And so... Yeah. Then the next year I tried to go back for that Bantam year. And that was the first year that they had gotten rid of midget and they had that OHL cup. Okay. And 
So I was a captain of the Marlies growing up for four years for like Adam, minor Adam, Adam, Pee Wee, and minor Pee Wee. And then uh, minor Bantam, I played in Barrie. And then major Bantam, I tried to go back to Toronto. And I tried out for three teams, got cut from all three. And so like my first lucky break was the last team I could have played for was the North York Canadians tried out almost didn't make that team ended up making Mm. it as like the last cut getting on the team. And it was like one of the best teams in Bantam that year. We ended up going to the finals, the OHL cup and losing to the uh, Peterborough Pete's, but like 17 of the 18 kids or 16 of the 18 ended up getting drafted to the OHL. Um, that's crazy. How old are you at that point when you're getting cut from these teams? Like how, I would have been, uh, I'm going to screw that up, but it probably, it was 15 or 16 because that next year you played. So like that's your year you get drafted to the OHL. And if you get drafted in the first two rounds, you get to play in that OHL. I was drafted third round. So I played a year tier two. And then that's when you have to make your decision. If you're going to go NCAA or go to the O. Yeah. And because I played that year in tier two, I really wanted to go NCAA. And, um, I like school. I love, I love going to school and, um, you know, for me, I never really thought of, I never thought I would really make it to the NHL. Even at that time, it was still right. like, I, I wasn't one of the, the best players at that time. So like to get your education, it was unbelievable. So sure. I was leaning towards, uh, going to NCAA and playing, going another year for that tier two, I played in Kuchiching. Yeah. And but so I was drafted third round of the to Brampton Battalion. Well, and what happened? Brampton, do you remember those jerseys? Yeah. The the Army Green that had the Sergeant Stripes on them. Well, I love the military. <laughs> I was gonna so say. I go down, <laughs> yeah. So I go. <laughs> you had to play. I go that. down with my uh, my dad, and we had like a family. Because I, I don't think you really call him your agent at that time. It's like your family counselor, your or something. advisor, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, your yeah. advisor, whatever. That however Who they get was around it for that you at the time. Uh, do you remember? Yeah. Bill Markle. Okay. At the time. Uh, and, yeah. uh, so I, I was going down to tell the battalion that I wasn't going to come, that I was going to go NCAA. And I went in for that meeting and they had like a helmet made up and, you know, a Jersey with my name on it. And I ended up leaving and, and signing to play there. And it was these damn army jerseys. It was like, that sucked me in. So I was like, my parents were like, what just happened? Like, what are you doing? And, That's amazing. Uh, so we ended up going to Brampton that year. And then, you know, I, that was crazy too, because I, I was not, like, I was a fourth line guy, barely played. Yeah. Um, well, where where had, would you have gone to college? Did you have, an, like, a pretty good idea? No, I was just would... kind of starting to get recruited. So it was like, mm, okay. you know, at that point, I played one year. And I was starting to get recruited from like a couple of the smaller teams, you know, and then hopefully you go back the next year and you have a good year and then you can get recruited some of the bigger teams. Like I yeah. said, like I was not one of like the, the big guys, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have been like one of the guys that would have like University of Michigan knocking on their door, or, like North Dakota at the time. Like it wasn't like that for me. Right. And even then I went to Brampton and I was like fourth line grocery stick, you know, I was barely playing and. <laughs> you're just learning. You're, you're, you're there on like the, the long curve. So we have like the NHL ratings come out. I'm like not even rated the first one at Christmas. I have like one goal, three assists or four assists or something. 
And then we had a couple, like we had a couple guys go to the world cha- uh, world juniors. And then we had a, I think like an injury or suspension, like long-term and yeah. it ended up getting moved up. And I, I was starting to play with uh, Chris Rowan, who was an overager and Ryan bonus and Jay McClement. We kind of like, I was kind of getting thrown around with those guys and, uh, and Adam Henrik was on the team. So I was playing a little bit with him and from Christmas on, I like, I started playing really, really well and getting points. So I went from like being unranked to like 400th in North America, which like, then you have to kind of double it for the world to get drafted to the NHL. So you're still like not even that close. And then in like February, they do like the third quarter rankings. And I was like, I don't know, 200th in North America. And then I had a really good playoffs for uh, Brampton that year. So I finished the year probably at like right at the cusp of like the top hundred in North America. And so I was probably like one of the last few guys to get invited to that combine. And then I had a, I think I had a really good combine and I think it really helped me in the combine too, because I, you know, you're in those shorts and they, they, you don't have a shirt on and, and I didn't have a muscle on me. I, I was still like barely developed. So I was still really small really uh like i was shooting up so i was like probably at that time 160 pounds like five nine yeah so they they take those numbers and then come the draft you go and you meet with a couple more of the teams and i and at that time i was probably like 175 pounds but like six one so i was like exploding size wise like i was starting to grow yeah and then uh yeah it was crazy like so we we ended up going to the draft and not really thinking much. It was more of like a family vacation in Nashville. And, um, yeah, I was like sitting up in like the nosebleeds. I, I, nobody was expecting me to get drafted and ended up get drafted in Minnesota pretty early. And I mean, it was just crazy. It was, it was insane from that <laughs> like, time. I, I didn't, so I, I didn't realize the meteoric rise. You got drafted, drafted 20th overall. So, so you're going yeah, from no, not even insane. on a list before the season yeah, when, starts. When Minnesota announced for me, me and my dad were like playing, uh, we were like betting against each other, like who was going. Cause we knew a lot right. of the guys, right. you know? So it was like, and we really thought my teammate, Camille Kreps, who was like a really, really smart, responsible centerman. Yeah. Was going to get drafted to Minnesota. So when like Minnesota came up and said like, we draft from like, uh, from Brampton battalion, like, he looked at me. He was like, ah, I got you. I told you. And then yeah. they said me. And we were like, holy shit. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 400 level. I got to take an elevator down. I didn't know what to do. It was insane. So what were they just sitting there waiting for you for 20 minutes? Yeah. I wasn't like, you know, those guys are sitting like, like, you know, Sid and Connor are probably like, they're pretty yeah, much on they're the stage like already. Five seconds from the stage. Yeah. No, I was like, I had to take a helicopter to get down there. I was so far away. That's incredible. Was there a scout from Mini that like went to bat for you? Do you know any backstory there? Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like, there's, there's probably like, like you see those meetings and stuff. Like, yeah, you, you have that one guy that's fighting for you, and and probably five other guys in the room are going like, "Are you crazy? This guy's brutal." <laughs> you know, it's like this guy scored like one goal at Christmas. This guy's a he's a bum. Oh my god! So it's like crazy, and that and then I was drafted as a winger. And then now I'm playing D too. So it's like, there's so many things that have to just line up and it's, yeah, you just kind of roll with it. I don't know. It's crazy. 
That's incredible. And that draft, that's my favorite draft of all time. Like I could talk about Yeah, the draft's draft. insane. The draft's insane. I like I pitched a documentary on that draft. I'm like, every round there's a crazy story. Like in the yeah. back when it was still like nine rounds. Like you can go into round nine and it's like, oh yeah, Brian Elliott was taken two hundred and ninety first. Crazy, huh? It is wild. That's that's yeah. that's great. So yeah, so it, it it ended up working out all right for you. So yeah, no, it's been great. I, it's been a good run. <laughs> I would say. So I remember I was doing. I think it was when you guys went to the Cup final, and I was working at ESPN doing a story on you. And everyone was like, "You have to talk to his dad." What was? <laughs> and I never was able to, and it wasn't from a lack of effort on my part. I just don't think yeah. Good luck in all. And we tried to do a family Zoom tonight, and it was a gong show. <laughs> Like it took 30 minutes to talk him into how to do it, and it still didn't work. We ended up having to Facetime each other, Facetime him. Uh, yeah, I, I've, we finally got my parents on Zoom. So what's what's he like? Like they were just like, if you want to get to know Brent, you gotta, you, you need to talk to, you gotta talk oh. to his dad. There's, I mean, some of the last, I mean, he's he's awesome. I mean, he's like my biggest influence for sure. I yeah. mean, he, there's so many as crazy as he is and like how, how many crazy stories I could tell you. There's also, I mean, he has such an unbelievable knowledge of hockey and mm. training and he's just been a uh, crazy influence in so many ways. And he's crazy too. So it's like, there's, <laughs> there was fun to it. I mean, there's stories that I, I mean, I used to go to the rink all the time on his motorcycle he had a Honda yeah. Goldwing in the middle of winter in Toronto. So it would be like an hour and a half. My sticks would be in, in between the handles. I'd be on the back seat with my hockey bag on my lap. And then, uh, how well do you know Toronto? Um, I, I mean, you know, I've been there a million times. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Lindsay and then, okay. uh, in Barrie. And so he would, we would go from Lindsay or Barrie. Like when I moved to Barrie, it was from Barrie down the 400. And then yeah. at highway seven, he used to work in like, more downtown but i used to go to skate on with yari and i'd work there Mm -hmm. in the summer every day and then i would do camps with yari as well so but in the morning he had to work so early in the morning that i would get up and go to work with him but then at highway seven he would just pull off onto the shoulder drop me off at the side of the highway (laughs) and i would walk (laughs) from high from highway 7 400 to double rinks i'd spend like the eight nine hours at the rink and How long a I walk is that out, just for... Uh, I mean, it's got to be two and a half miles, three miles. Yeah, okay. In Toronto, I'm like highway. eight, nine years old. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like... I was probably eight and then going on. Like, yeah. I was with Spets too, like Spets and Wolski. And and like, those guys would just laugh at me. They'd be like, oh my God. And then at the end of the uh, end of the day would be... Like, the camp would close at like three or four. Okay. And my dad wouldn't get off work until like five or six. And then it would take him like half hour, 40 minutes to get to highway seven again. So I would just be, I would usually be sleeping on the side of the road until he would come and I hear his motorcycle and then he'd, I'd jump on and I'd get driven home with, from him, you know, it was just like, yeah, but it was awesome. But I still remember even when I was young, like novice, Mm -hmm. he, he has, he was like one of the first guys to always videotape the games and he did it for. Like he would go through the games with me, but he would also just love to have the games. He just loved hockey and he, he would, and it, I don't know if it started, I've never really asked him, but it was my grandfather couldn't go to the games. You know, he yeah. was getting older and he was in a wheelchair and stuff, but he loved hockey too. So 
I don't know if it started because my dad wanted to like go through the tapes with me or if it was to bring home the tapes so my grandfather could watch it with us and then mm-hmm. we go through the games. But like to this day, I have all my games from like super, super young all the way up until like he wasn't allowed to videotape games anymore because you couldn't bring a video camera into the rink. <laughs> right. That's amazing. You know, so it was like, yeah, he was, he was always really, really smart. Like he was always ahead of his time and like the fitness time, you know, he was always trying to get me to do things. I never listened. Um, thought he was crazy and yeah, you know, he was mean dad, you know, like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And, um, you know, now it's like, now it's the same stuff like that our trainers are getting us to do and stuff, you know, like <laughs> right. yoga and, and eye exercises. And I mean, it's crazy. He's just like, he was really, really smart. And, uh, I had a ton of, ton of fun with hockey. It was always hockey. You know, I always have people, you know, there's always that argument of, um, and I don't think there's a right, a, a right way to do it. I don't think there's mm-hmm. one way. It's like, there's many different ways to do it. But for me, I never played another sport. I never played football. I never played baseball. I never played soccer. Never wanted to. I want to play hockey. I want to play winter hockey. I want to play summer hockey, floor hockey, mini sticks, roller hockey. Didn't matter. Street hockey. And I never got tired of it. I just loved it. And if, yeah. and if I wanted to get better hand-eye coordination, I didn't play baseball. I grabbed my hockey stick and I'd hit my, hit the ball against the wall and, and work on my hand eye. If I wanted to get quicker feet, I'd just do quick feet drills. Like right. I'd work on accelerating, you know, it was, so it's, you know, and, and I'm sure there it's probably 50% of the other guys would say like, you know, for them, they wanted to do the other sports and, and, you know, they didn't want to get burned out or whatever. And yeah, so it's the, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. It was just, that was what, the way it was for me. We just, grew up in a hockey family that we loved it. I was at the rink all the time. And if I wasn't, I was at home shooting pucks and playing street hockey. And it, it was awesome. Did your brother play? No, he never did. He never, uh, I mean, he played for like one year, two years, kind of like the pressure of just to play hockey, but right. he was, uh, and, and I just don't, you know, he never really loved it. So like my parents yeah. never really forced him. I think he felt the pressure to play hockey because, I, I, I was pretty good at the, a young age and then, uh, and my dad loved hockey. So we were always going to the rink. So if it was like, if he wanted to kind of, he wanted to be a part of it, but no, my brother was always like, he was unbelievable at video games and yeah. he was unbelievable. Uh, he, he, he was a really good boxer. He's really tough. And, um, he, he's kind of, he's got, he's like a special brain. He's like a really, really. Um, not serious is the wrong word, but like he's more reserved, uh, very good work ethic, um, very smart. And so he was, he was a boxer and then he kind of, he had the passion for the military too. And he, he actually tried to join the military when it was kind of getting towards the end and they, they weren't really taking a lot of guys in. So he kind of got pushed into the police, the police force. And, uh, you know, he found his passion there and he was, he excelled the police force. He was a police officer pretty early. And then, uh, he's on the SWAT team now. So he's, he's doing really well and, um, he loves it. I mean, he, he found his passion and, um, I always give him crap because he's like, he's got no legs. He still can't squat any weight <laughs> for his life. Like if his, yeah. his life depended on it, doesn't look, he's like, he should wear track pants to the gym, but he's like, he's like an incredible shape. He's an unbelievable athlete. And, yeah. uh, he's in really, really good shape. And, 
so for like the SWAT guys, it's like, he, he just loves that like brotherhood of those guys. They train a lot. They, um, they have that tight knit group and, and it's worked out really well with them. I just, I just do hope that he still wears track pants to the gym. So we don't have to see those little calves. So where does, like, we, you know, we've laughed about it or, you know, and it's been covered, but like where you kind of get that, that singular focus, if you're into coffee or wine or guitars or oh, video games. Oh, I've always, like, it's just crazy. I've like, always had like, it drives my wife crazy. Like if I get a hobby, I'm like all in. Right. It's, and I've always had that. I don't, it's like, it's in a crazy addictive personality. It's like, yeah, probably not good with, that's why I've always had, uh, I've always had a lot of hobbies, whether it was like, and they've usually always been around the same thing. It's always been around like wildlife, uh, right. nature. Um, but like they do go into other things too. I mean, like the coffee, I, I love wine. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, it's not good. It's, I, I'm glad I don't like watches or cars. I've never really been <laughs> Stuff into those. That's not so too that's, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's great. I, I like tattoos, which is, you know, that's that I was pretty obsessed with those too. So it's, uh, yeah, I've always kind of, I've been that way. I've always, once I got into something, I just dove headfirst into it. And the, this, I mean, now it's like the ranch is really, um, you know, this is our, it's our, it's our life. It's our forever home, but it is our business too. You know, we, we're, we're selling and breeding animals and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is going to be a place that we will do hunts. I, I've always wanted to do that. Um, you know, have, have people that have never hunted before. Maybe they, they want to get into hunting and, and learn about it and, and be able to teach them about it. Or maybe it's, uh, somebody that just loves hockey and wants to come hang out and, right. and we get to hunt together. I've always kind of loved that. And, and you just meeting people and hanging out and from complete different walks of life and, and sitting in a hunting blind, hanging out, talking, having a beer, then coming back and having a, a killer meal, hanging out by the bonfire. Um, you know, because that was my first hunting experience. That was what I did when I went to the, right. when I went to the place here in Texas, it was, it was incredible. You learn from those guys and, you know, a lot of those, those guys there were military guys. So it was like, they'd be interested in hockey stories and I'd be interested in military stories. And then you go out and hunt the next day and it was just incredible. And, uh, then you have a killer meal. Right. You know, for me, that was such a special, it it was such a special time because that was the first time I'd ever gone to the, the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. I mean, we lost, which was brutal, but it's still something to be said about going that far, going four rounds and just being a part of it. It was, it was incredible. You know, and yeah. it still is one of my best things that have ever happened in hockey. It was such a fun team. It was an ex- it was just so fun. And then uh, that was kind of how I decompressed that year. Because mm-hmm. I went with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law to this, this hunting ranch. And um, we spent four days there. And it was just incredible. Like, incredible time with our guide. And um, we ate every day was like breakfast lunch and dinner you ate a different exotic meat it mm. was just so awesome tons of beers lots of whiskey yeah it, it was just so for me that was like kind of like the light bulb went off i said like wow what a what a really cool thing like and, and for me that changed the course of my family's life because we kind of took that lifestyle in and um you know we do that all the time we we, we spend a lot of time in a hunting blind and 
just chatting, you know, and it's, and it is amazing how, how the kids do open up when it's just you and one of them mm-hmm. and, and you're Absolutely. sitting there for four hours in quiet time and there's nothing happening and there's not a squirrel or a bird out and right. you just hear the, you're just hearing like crickets and, and they just start talking, you know, it's like, yeah. it's unbelievable family time. And then when you do har- harvest an animal and one or two of the kids are with you, it, it's a special meal for the rest of that, that animal, you know, and, and right. you eat it for throughout the whole year. So it's like, my kids still ask, like, you know, it's not like, Oh, what are we having for dinner tonight? Like hamburgers. Or I say like, Oh, what are we having? Oh, we're going to have hamburgers. Oh, what animal is it? Like, was I with you or was, was, uh, Peyton with you or was Jagger with you? Right. Like, so right. it's, it's still a special thing every meal. And I, I just love that lifestyle. Um, you know, it, not saying I don't eat veggies because I, I get lots of messages like, dude, all you do is eat meat. No, I still, <laughs> we have like a big garden here. We eat veggies. I still, yeah. I, there is some green on my plate. It's not just uh, uh, like the, the sauce for my steak, but um, yeah, it's just, we've always kind of loved that, that time. That's awesome. All right. To wrap up, because this is all I wanted to ask you about the whole time anyways, and it's a good segue because I know your kids love it. How is the RV holding up? Oh, it's, I mean, it was what a, what a lifesaver for this, this summer. I mean, this was yeah. this crazy time to be able to, uh, you know, we were, we were kind of facing like a tough decision already because we were still, we were playing and our youngest who's 15, 16 months, um, she has some like predisposed lung stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were on the road and I was telling my wife, I'm like, Hey, like, this is why we have a ranch. Like take right. the kids out of school. They're still young enough. It's grade four, grade three. Like who cares? Put the dog in the truck and drive to the ranch and you don't have to see anybody like you're, you're right. safe. Right. And you know, it's not easy. We, we get our dogs 150 pounds. He's a big Liam burger. So he's like a big <laughs> piece of meat. We're running around the, <laughs> truck he hates it and then we get the three kids but um so we kind of everything got shut down and uh we jumped in the rv and i mean usually we kind of try to take our time a little bit but with this all this stuff going on it's a 200 gallon tank and i just got in that thing and we pumped down the road we made it (laughs) in like uh we ended up it was like a little bit over two days and uh you know, so it was obviously a pretty short trip, but man, I just, I love that RV. I love the whole, what it, everything that it entails. There's always, it's never smooth. Always no, shit. It, I mean, that's what, that's insane. what ended up getting me, Brent, was I felt like I always had to deal with something with ours. Oh, that don't like, And finally, I mean, I'm like, I, uncle, like, I'm not having any fun. I know you guys are all having fun. Meanwhile, I'm stressing about a brake line that I know nothing oh about. Oh my God. Well, we, we had a fire last year. On the way out here, I mean, I was throwing stuff in my hunting bag, like survival gear. I thought I was going to have to camp out for three weeks, and the whole thing was going to burn down with a dog and three kids. It was insanity. I and then it, it's been, yeah. Every year we've had disasters happen, right? But that, that's almost part of it too. And it's like, yeah, no, and, and, I, and through yeah. the time, it's brutal, and you all hate each other. You're screaming at each other. You're like losing hair, turning gray. I mean, it's insanity. And then like the next week you're like, wow, that was really cool. Like we did some, we you end up doing something stupid. That's like really cool. I don't know. I just, I've always loved the RV. We it's don't do great. it as much now because it's the ranch, you know, like, right. uh, we kind of, 
that like this is our this is our happy place now kind of took over from the the rv being our happy place to to this being it and 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 it's kind of our vehicle to get up here yeah. my wife calls it it's like a u-haul with beds now because we just want to get to the ranch <laughs> right and a lot of times the u-haul doesn't work you know like we, we never had hot water last year and our hot water blew out and um but there is like yeah yeah she's yelling at me she's like this year the tv didn't work like nothing works ever every year i'm telling you smooth. if it sits for three weeks you come you go oh. back in and it's like oh we can't flush anything yeah or, you know oh, there's insane that's crazy i mean i'm not hey so how was, about this but, so yeah. the first the first night um we stayed at a campground this year it was because of all the stuff going on like we were super careful so like right. i was like the guinea pig i was i had my uh my kuyu hunting gear i'll throw a little plug out to kuyu <laughs> i had my kuyu rain gear uh i i kept on the outside of the rv so anytime i would leave i would put gloves on and i had the rain gear and then uh when i would come back in I would take the rain gear off and keep it outside. And then I had a separate ch- change of clothes. So like, just to make sure I was like keeping everything as clean as I could with the baby. Right. And, uh, right. So we get, we get to the campground because we always want to do right before we get to the ranch, we go to this one campground just to like empty the tanks mm-hmm. and, and then refill the water because we're on well water here. So, and they always say you can't use well water cause it's kind of, it's too hard for the pipes. Yeah. So we always fill up right before. And, uh, so we get there super late. I I actually, I drove like 850 miles that day. So it was pretty late at night when we got in there, pitch black. I put the rain gear on. I, I plug in. Sue's always puts the slides out and she like kind of vacuums up the dog hair, cleans up, gets the kids ready for bed while I do all like the sewage and and the fresh water and and all that stuff. Well, do you know how like the sewage hose, there's the plug? It's, it's, there's a close, like a lid, but I hadn't done it in a year. And I have a checklist, but it was so late. I was like, screw it. I know how to do it. Like, I'm not, I'm, I won't screw this up. So I get out there and I, I put the, the sewage in the pipe at the RV camp. And then I open up the black tanks first. Because mm-hmm. then you usually rinse it out with the gray. Yeah, you rinse it out with the other, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I put the black and it's like, and it's making all this noise. And I'm like, it's not emptying. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, oh God, this is a nightmare. So I close it and I open it again. And still nothing's happening and I can hear it, but the tanks are not empty. And I'm like, what is happening? So then I'm like, I do it again. And now it's, it's been open for 40 seconds, but there's, it's not emptying the tank at all. And I'm like, Oh boy. Then I realized I did not open up that bottom lid on the hose and it's in the ground and the tank has been open. So, so the all tubes pressure. are full? Oh my it, gosh. There is shit everywhere. <laughs> so I have to open up that bottom <laughs> lid. And I'm like, holy bananas. I am going to be covered in shit from head to toe. Thank God I got the Kuyu rain gear on. I open this thing and I stick it in the ground as fast as I can. And I was That's... like, holy shit. I was covered. It was insane. Yeah. There and had I, to be so always... much built up pressure on that yeah like can you imagine that like 30 seconds of pressure on that thing and i and i'm like big on the rv forums because like anytime like something goes wrong i go on those rv rv forums and there there's always that big section of like hey we just had this newbie come into the, the campsite and screw this up like what an <laughs> idiot and I, that's all i could think of it i'm like i am that idiot right now that is 
spraying crap all over. So I like spent 40 minutes late at night in pitch black with a headlamp on cleaning and disinfecting everything. So like there was no smell or like just in case some one person saw it that, that at least right. I cleaned it up as right. best I could. And oh man, it was insane. My, and it was like, Susan's like, what are you doing out there? I'm like, you don't even want to know. Just go back inside, have a glass of wine. You don't, I'll be in the, I'll be in, in a half hour. It was crazy. So it's always something, but it's There's, always fun. That's a great, that's a great story. All right. Brent, thanks for doing this. Do you have any book recommendations for people that are just looking for things to kill? I know you're a big reader. What's oh, your last thing? You know what, what I'm reading? reading right now and it is unbelievable. Jack Carr, the James Reese uh, series. He just came out with a third book. Okay. Uh, just just reached the New York Times bestseller list. Um, incredible. What is it? Like, I don't book. even know what it is. Like, so he, uh, it's really cool. So that so he was he was a Navy SEAL and like so Jack Carr was a Navy SEAL, the yeah. author. And I guess from like an early age, he wanted to be two things. He wanted to to be a Navy SEAL and he wanted to be an author. Hmm. And so he kind of got to do both. And uh, so he makes this. Like his big uh, influences would be like Brad Thor, Vince Flynn, uh, Stephen Hunter. So if you like those books, yeah, his books are incredible. Like the first book, okay. you, you read the first page and you're you're hooked. All right, that's great. So it's yeah, great book. Uh, I read that Matt Best book. That was really funny. It was a great book. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a Black Rifle Coffee guy. Um, and I, and I love the Stephen Hunter books. I read those. Obviously, the Harry Potter books. I, I still. Uh, Still reading those. I can't wait. Yeah, they need, they need a plug. Those. I think J.K. Rowling needs some help there. Get a good plug. Yeah, for, yeah she's for struggling. Her. Yeah, <laughs> she's, only, she's only in a couple, uh, only a couple like rides now in movies. That's right. But I still love those books. I, I love those. I'm a big Disney guy, so I love that stuff. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for you? doing this, reading? man. What, are you what am I reading? I'm reading a book right now called um, "Don't Split the Middle." It's a negotiating book. Or don't, um, gosh, I forget what it is. It's an FBI agent who was a hostage negotiator. Oh, wow. Look yeah, yeah. Now. And, uh, it's, it's a, um, God, yeah, it's, it's, crazy, it's about man. how to, how to, uh, how to negotiate and kind of, and win the, the uh, negotiation. That's how I was able, I used all of his FBI techniques to get you on the podcast. We yeah. Like, oh, I don't know if I want, and I was like, hold on, chapter three says. What's the, uh, what's the trick when you, like, when the guy doesn't email you back for a, a week and a half? <laughs> What do they what do they recommend then? That's right. You just never respond, and so it yeah. adds a little bit of mystery. And then um, why don't you send like three of those books to Benny Guerrero? See if you can help him out because he's still trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will do that. It's uh, called Never. Here it is. My wife is holding it up. It's called Never Split the Difference. Who's the oh, author? Nice, you got the hand over the author. Who's the author on that? Chris Foss. Oh, cool. So I recommend it. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. This was fun. No, it was good. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, I didn't say anything too too crazy. No, you're, you're good. I want to thank Brent Burns for joining the podcast. It was awesome. Even the I, I wish you could hear the fifteen to twenty minutes of conversation afterwards was was great. I, like it was it was so good to catch up with Brent, um, have that conversation, give you a little bit of insight into a player who. 
you're obviously one of the best in the game and one of the great personalities in hockey right now. So thank you so much uh, again to to Brent for making that happen. Thank you to producer Tyler for <laughs> helping record on a late evening here on the East Coast. Um, before we wrap up, a couple of things. One, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Full 60 wherever it is you get your podcasts just to make sure you don't miss any updates there and if you enjoy the podcast if you could go leave a review at apple podcasts or wherever it is you listen to podcasts that helps me a ton helps get the word out helps grow the podcast which helps get better guests um it's a never-ending cycle so if you could take a second to do that right now um that would be a huge help also if you want to sign up for the full 60 email that i never send out except for when i need your help on asking questions or very random emails. I like. I just like to communicate with you guys. Uh, definitely just go to um, craigcustons.com and you can see the sign up there. Uh, and I promise this is not a spam thing. It's just I like to be able to reach out to you sometimes to interact with guests or um, at the end of this podcast. And lastly, I, I do want to promote uh, Two Man Advantage who had Washington Capitals GM Brian McClellan Wow, one of the many good guys in the game. Brian's a great dude. Oh, and I apologize for my barking dog, but we're working from home. So that's Burlington, named after the city in Vermont, a gigantic um, golden retriever poodle mix. Um, this is, Burlington is amazing. So check out Scott Burnside and Pierre's um, podcast, Two Man Advantage with Brian McClellan. Also, if you missed the episode last week of The Full 60 with Florence Schelling, she was amazing, um, inspirational, and I really appreciate all the feedback that I got from subscribers who enjoyed that, and also the Tyler Sagan um, podcast the week before that. Tyler was great. Um, there's a full Q&A of that one, too, if you'd rather read it at The Athletic. Last thing, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, full 60 listeners get 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash full 60 you get 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash full60. All right, that's it. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Brent Burns for the time and the conversation. Have a great week.